punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there, and welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I am your host, Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell, joined, as always, by Nesson.com's Mike Cole and Scott Edwards. How's it going, guys? Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Riveting. Um, off to it. Yeah. <laughs> Much different than last week. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, we've settled into the Scott era, and I was just my apoplectic, or my, uh, not apoplectic, uh, yeah, just a lack of, I don't know. You're no longer <laughs> excited. Uh, I w- this is just the new status quo, I guess, is a, a much a nicer way of putting it. It's, it's you know, we're, we're into our, our new groove here, so. Uh, the Bruins got into a bit of a groove last there we week. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, went three, two, and one in Brad Marchand's absence, which I think any Bruins fan, I guess, should be content with. I honestly thought they'd go five hundred. Technically, they went three, two, and one. Uh, they played well against the Rangers. Played terrible against the New York Islanders. And then what I thought was going to be a, a very bad game for the Bruins against the Avalanche turned to be the complete opposite. Um, they're, they played really well against the league's best team. They played, they played heavy. They scored uh, secondary scoring. Pasternak seemed to be back. I don't, I'm not going to say he's quite back after one game, but he looked good. It was vintage pasta getting the, the overtime goal, too, against, uh, when was that? Senators game. Senators game. Saturday yeah. night. So he's looked good. Bruins have looked good in the last two games. I don't know if it was Bruce Cassidy calling the team out, saying they need to, quote-unquote, be more like pricks. That kind of sparked them. I don't know if it was knowing they were going to be without Marshan, but overall, I am okay with how they played without Marshan their last six games. Yeah, they. I mean, what, eh, you know, the, a few difficult tests in there, and they, they by and large, past the more difficult tests, which is kind of the ironic part, is that they played well enough to win against the Rangers. I mean, you go a nine-round shootout, and it's yeah. basically a coin flip at that point. And they, they they beat the hell out of the Avalanche. So I think it's more emblematic of I what this team is, which is just – I don't want to call them a middler because they're better than that, but, like, you know – two steps forward, one step back type of deal. And it's just, it, they aren't as consistent as they, they have been in the past. I, I, I've brought this up earlier in the year, but you know, there, there are perplexing games. This is like games like the, the Islanders game, but then when they need to rally, they, they usually are able to dig down and find, find a good effort when they need it the most. I'm not going to read too much into Monday's game because I mean, uh, a mountain time zone team playing a one o'clock game on a Monday afternoon in Boston is not necessarily what they have been, you know, used to. And especially, I think they were coming from Buffalo and a, uh, a weird game too. So like, I, I don't know, but like the, you know, talent is talent and the Bruins, I guess if you're looking for real positives is they played their, their best game of the season Monday afternoon against Colorado where, you know, they should have won that game eight to one. Yeah. You know, they, that they had they outchanced Colorado like twofold in the first period. That game should have been over after 20 minutes. Goaltending is the only reason that the Avalanche even kept it, you know, as competitive as they did for as long as they did. 
yeah, so like I said, I just think it's they're not inconsistent. They're just not overly consistent, if that's a distinction I can make. But the fact that they were able to kind of tread water and it, it stayed more or less the same without Brad Marchand is is a win. I mean, it's a six-game sample size in an 82-game season. That's not small. So, to like I said, to kind of tread water, not completely you know, submarine their season is, is a net win, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a recency-type feeling here. Had the Colorado game been the Thursday when the Islanders game was and the Islanders game was on Monday, we would not be probably feeling as good even if they went 3-2-1. and one. Probably not. And Because that Islander game was terrible. I'm, I'm just going to be honest, it was terrible. It yes. was not good. Uh, but the Avalanche game, they didn't lose a period. It was the most complete game of the season, it felt like. And that was, of course, all without Marshan. So... My whole feeling is we just, you know, we still don't have the answer of what this team will be come playoff time. It's just, they're one of those teams like, okay, they just got to make it in and then we'll see what happens. You know, depends on the matchup, depends on the health of the team, especially, and who's playing. I still think they're probably a guy away from being contenders, but that game against the Avalanche have to make you at least feel good because I think a lot of people would agree. Colorado's probably the best team with Tampa Bay and uh, Florida and Carolina. They're in that conversation. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that we don't really know what what this team is halfway through the season, more than halfway through the season, especially if we don't know what their identity is going into the playoffs. But trade deadline is approaching. You said they're a guy away. Do you think it's one guy? Is there multiple pieces? I put you on the spot here. I think it's one guy. I really do. Ooh. I think the defense has been impressive for the most part, you know, because coming into the year, you did not know what to expect. And I think overall, they've been pretty solid. I mean, you, you want guys, you know, like Carlo. I think a lot of people pick Carlo as the guy to, you know, continue to step up. He stepped up he did. over the weekend. Um, but I think it's more, you know, that center and – now, if they add, you know, if David Krejci were to come back <laughs> tomorrow, I think it'd be a different conversation because then you might still need. Be, I don't know. I'm not expecting Krejci to come back. That's my whole co- thing here. I'm expecting them to need to go out and trade for a piece to make this team a, uh, you know, championship contender. And I guess, you know, most people would probably say getting another defender wouldn't be bad, getting more depth. But the, the whole thing that we talked about last week is they have a lot of depth. Yeah, it's just not do. you know depth that makes you feel confident after the f- two first two lines kind of. So that, that's my whole thing. If you can go get that one name that's out there, well, there's a few names, but that will click with this team. I think it's a whole different conversation. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to be made of what they need. Um, I do think a lot of people point to the defense, but. And Cassidy said this too, secondary scoring is a problem and it's been a problem for the last few years. There's forwards out there that would be fitting to get, to be a good fit for this team. Um, I know ESPN put out their trade deadline, good fit thingy piece. And I like Max Domi, honestly. There's other names on there as well that would be a good fit. I personally like Max Domi. Um, Nine point, he's had nine points in eight games to start the season, but then injuries and COVID kind of sidelined him, and he's been pushed to the bottom six. And that might be a good fit for the Bruins. Uh, his cap hits five, 5.3 million, 
and but he he would be a rental. He's an unrestricted free agent in the summer. So again, this goes to what do the Bruins potentially like? Could they package? I don't know. Maybe DeBrusque, who's requested mm-hmm. a trade a few months ago. But do you replace a bottom six forward with another bottom six forward who hasn't really produced? I I don't know. But I do I do think he'd fit well into this Bruins lineup. Yeah, I I think the more I look at it, and the more you kind of just start throwing things at the wall and see what sticks. I, I'm kind of with Scott in terms of I don't think the I know a lot of people are going to rush to say you know they need to to upgrade the defensive side of things and and maybe they do maybe I mean maybe every team that is within shouting distance of, of a playoff spot wants to improve on the back end but again I mean I I've been banging this drum too for a while like expected goals against per sixty even strength five on five they're the best team in the league and they're you know middle of the pack or 11th, I think last time I checked, um, it just regular goals allowed, which tells you that the goaltending hasn't been as good as the defense. It's getting better though. And, you know, we've seen it from Swayman, uh, you know, we've seen it from Olmark, not as much as, as we've seen it from Swayman, but the goaltending is getting better. And as a result, they are playing a much stingier brand of defensive hockey. And the fact that they only went three, two and one, despite giving out what felt like, six goals in six yeah. games <laughs> tells you that the, the offense is, is an issue. Of course, the major obvious caveat is they didn't have Brad Marchand, who's one of the 10 best goal scorers in the NHL. So that's going to be, you're going to take a hit, but it's not like they were lighting the world on fire offensively before he got suspended. So I, I, you know, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if Domi's the guy, like I, you know, look, if you just want to go off that ESPN story, I like the idea of Andrew Kopp a little bit better. I think, and lineup wise, it probably fits a little better. I think that the, the offensive upside may be a little higher. Um, I I don't know. Like I just that's the kind of the move I'd be looking to make, and I would also be willing to to kind of to go not all in, but to make a bigger deal if it gets you a guy with term. I mean, we can talk about Garland a little bit if you guys want. Um, <laughs> Your guy Garland. Yeah, I've kind of talked myself into that one. Uh, you know, the JT Miller thing is out there. Yeah. I, there are options for them in that regard, and I think they have the pieces to, to get it done. I think the question is going to be how much do you want a mortgage? I mean, that's always the question, so I'm not, you know, there's nothing groundbreaking there. I just, you know, to kind of tie this back into the original, our first conversation or how we started our conversation is, you know, we've seen it. I just, I, in a vacuum, a one game vacuum, their ceiling is extremely high because mm-hmm. we've seen them, you know, beat the piss out of the avalanche. We've seen them go down to, you know, St. Pete and beat the the yeah. lightning on the road. Uh, we've seen them go to, you know, a shootout on the road at MSG with the Rangers. Like they've given these top teams all that they can handle. And in some cases they've, they've run them out of the barn. So like it's, it, there is, they can get there. It's just how consistently can they do it? And I think that's kind of where like a, you know, these, these elements like secondary scoring come into play, right? Is you know, on nights that you go quiet, but you play a strong defensive game, who's going to find, who's going to score you that goal. And when you're going up against a, a tight checking team that maybe takes away that first or second line, who on the third line comes up big. I, I just don't think it's worth mortgaging anything long-term for a defenseman when the defense has been, passable like you're not going to go to the you're not going deep in the playoffs without your goalie going nuts anyway so at least just take your chances with what you've been able to do defensively this year and hopefully that your goalie gets hot and when 
inevitably a team shuts down your first line, which has happened just about every year at some point in the, in the playoffs, you've got to fall back on something here and, and hope that it's good enough. So if like I'm giving up future assets to, to do something at the deadline, I think I'm looking at secondary scoring or, you know, just even more depth in that forward group. Yeah. I don't know if it ends it, it, who knows, maybe by the end of the year, it becomes primary scoring, but just right. yeah. more assets, more weapons offensively, I think is where I would go. Yeah, I admittedly, and I've talked myself out of this with the help of you, Mike, but I I wanted defensive help at the trade deadline. I felt like I was very stubborn about wanting to not be moved off that edge. Like, I wanted defensive help, and it probably stems from Derek Forbert getting healthy scratched, Connor Clifton getting healthy yeah, scratched. And when I mean, you new guys, not Connor Clifton, but Forbert, when you bring him in to be a big body and a shutdown guy, and he's getting scratched for Connor Clifton, uh, Vakaninen, it's just like why why like why is he here why we need clearly we need defensive help but we obviously don't when the scoring is the bigger issue um Jeremy Swayman's you know really starting to heat up he's starting to steal games for Bruins and they need that but like you said you're not going to win playoff games without your goalie getting hot here's the thing though and this is the I guess a retort to this secondary scoring or adding forward depth thing it's like let's say you go out and you get a cop or you know you get a guy who you know like uh, i'm trying to think of a like a brett Connolly from a few years ago <laughs> oh, <God>. where, <laughs> but like i like the idea of Connolly. like yeah, he's what they I needed a guy who can right. score from the dot and maybe you go out and get a player like that who is not as defensive minded or defensive responsible so defensively yager. responsible yeah yager that's a yeah. good example too um he's still playing like the Bruins yeah. sign him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only 50 uh <laughs> To do that, okay, so let's say you make that kind of move. You've got to take somebody out of your lineup. And so you've got to take out, I, I don't know, Halla, Felino, no second. Like, I know people don't love those guys because they just don't score goals. But what are they doing defensively? I'm not, I'm not smart enough to pretend to know. So that is the one yeah. risk is if you go out and make a deal for offense, you're, are you kind of – because to your point, Lauren, I – I still don't really know how good their defensive core is. Yeah. The numbers say it's very good, but maybe there's maybe they are helped by a defensive-minded forward group. And if you you risk upsetting that, and now maybe you're you're like, oh, the defensemen aren't as good as we maybe thought they were. I don't know. It's just something to keep in mind. Uh, I think on the f- uh, full board conversations, like back in Ireland, played himself into the lineup. I think yeah, that's he the, I think did. that's the one that. Like, I will be like, okay, this was the right decision to scratch him for. Clifton, you know, we can have that conversation because... I'd love to. I Sure. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you watch him play, you watch Forward play, there's clearly a big difference. And, you know, they're kind of the two trading off now because of what Bakkenheim has done mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of consistency. Um, but to the... Back to the trade idea, I mean... It's so it's so difficult to, you know, put where the exact problem is because of what Mike just said. Of you know, you have the defensive forward group. I think you have one of the better. Well, it starts with Bergeron, of course, but you know, Coyle's really good on the defensive side, and it kind of goes down from there. You know, Marshan and whatnot. So, I I like Nosek. I think he fits his role very well. I think Halla. You know, if you put him on a wing instead of second line center long you know for the rest of the season that could actually benefit you but we're you know we're just kind of 
playing with hypotheticals here. Do we really know what they're going to go get? No, we don't. They're connected or, you know, there's rumors of who they might want. But I think you do bring in someone that can just score from, I like that idea of like, you know, the Yager and Brett Connollys don't jump off the board from what they were at the time, you know, Yager, Yager. But it could go a long way. I mean, Yager helped power them to the Stanley Cup. Was he amazing in that run? No. But he filled a role. He filled a role on the power play, and that's that helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, he had a much bigger impact, I think, than people realize, yeah. despite yeah. the fact that he didn't score. Yeah. And it, I was covering that the team back then, and everybody talked about how you know beneficial it was to have. So that's another consideration too: is you bring in a veteran guy, and maybe it's that just Yager. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just bring back Yager. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I. I guess it depends what your appetite for for risk is, but like I, like Connor Garland's probably the guy I would, in like a perfect world, but that's gonna cost you a ton because he's yeah. cost controlled. Um, but he's the you know he to, to my earlier point about the defensive forward stuff, he's he's a pretty responsible player, and I think he would be immediately one of the better offensive forwards that they have. That probably is a pipe dream because. I don't know. I just this is like the the time you would love to get the the honest opinion of somebody like Don Sweeney, where it's yeah. like, do you are you willing to part with prospects where it finally starts to feel like they they have? I I know nothing about these guys other than what I've read, but like mm-hmm. it feels like there's a little bit of buzz at the top end of their their prospect pool yeah. more so than there's been in a while. And do you really want to cash those chips in right now when you're staring at the end of your, your window? I don't know. I, but at the same time, if you believe in this team, then I guess go get it. So that's a, a tough, tough spot. So maybe, yeah, maybe I am the more I kind of talk it out. I am on the, the side of go trade a second round pick for yeah a, a rental who can score a little bit more than maybe you're used to. Connor Garland is from Massachusetts too. So know, it's right it's, up Don Sweeney's alley. Yeah. <laughs> I think it goes with the conversation of like you have to pick one or the other. You know, Bergeron, he's the main person we talk about of we don't know when he's going to be done. Could be, you know, he could want to stop playing hockey after this year. We yeah. don't yeah. we don't know and I think I think you do chase that last championship. I think that's the team they're tr- they've been trying to build in off seasons for the past couple of years. They want to have that last run and hope, you know, actually win it. So I don't know why I change it up. If you if you can go all in and get a guy that's going to be here longer than a year too, that might be better, you know, because getting rentals they've they've done that a lot recently, yeah. and it hasn't paid off. So if you're going to get someone, get someone that's going to stick around a little bit, because you know I think Coyle's been what, pretty good. He's one of those options that stuck around and. Yeah, it's, the problem is though is if you do that, you're giving up a lot more. And so yeah. if you're giving up, if you're giving up a first round pick, if you're giving up a Fabian Lysel, like that's Jeff those are assets done. that you're going to help you that's rebuild true. too. I don't know. I don't that's know. A, like that's the problem. I, they're in a really weird situation because they have the depth. Yeah. Do, like you said, do they want to get rid of that? Because Fabian Lysel, there's hype around him from the second he was drafted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they want to get rid of him to maybe? win now but maybe get smoked by the lightning right like, that's yeah. the thing <laughs> yeah and i the more i think about it, i'm you can have all my first round picks for if you're sending yeah. me back somebody with term like yeah. a handful of years that's that goes I, that's a that's a proven nhl player like that's yeah. i 
maybe I'd be bad at GM. I mean, I know I'd be a bad well, GM, but <laughs> they had three first round picks and one drafted. Yeah. That's who, but like, <laughs> yep, yep. They we'll didn't do a good job with that, but it's a good point where it's like, you know, that there's no guarantee if you're picking up high or if yeah. you're picking the first. But then again, you get, you know, if you hold on to your first round pick, sometimes you get David Posternak at 25. Yeah, so it's exactly. like, that's the game you play. Yeah. I mean, I mean we could sit here for hours <laughs> and just game. go back and forth about how, you know, this is a very difficult job <laughs> to, <laughs> to build a hockey team. So, uh, so the Bruins do get back to action Thursday night. They're on the West Coast. Uh, they do get Marshan back. He did not practice Wednesday, but it sounds like he's going to rejoin the team Thursday morning, which is encouraging. Um, says uh, he has a personal family matter. Hopefully everything is good there. But with him coming back, obviously he's going to go to the first line. But what, do you keep Pasternak, Hall, and Halla together? Because he's played well with them. And he's looked good. People have been really on Halla and the Felinos this season. I want to keep Pasternak with Hall and Halla because you get I feel like you get the best Pasternak when he's with Hall and you get the best Hall when he's with Pasternak I feel like those two just really have bounce off each other they have good chemistry um and it's finally something is building there for Pasternak because yep. he's got to get going I the only I the the line talk ends up making me dizzy <laughs> um it's just not that it's just not a criticism of the direction of this podcast. I just, <laughs> it's a lot of names. And it is. My only take, and then I'll volley it over to Scott, is I don't do anything to mess with uh, David Pasternak right now. Right. Because yeah. this is, you've, we've seen it a million times. He gets red hot and he just scores goals in bunches for better or worse. Like, you know, those bunches typically come in February and it gets a little tougher when the ice gets a little more crowded in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs. Um, but I, you know, ride it as long as you can. So mm -hmm. I'm not changing yeah. anything with that. And I'm just going from there and figuring it out after that. Yeah. I, I actually wrote something about this last night because I was, you know, just kind of freaked out in my head about <laughs> where do they go? Um, I agree with both of you that you keep Hall and Pasternak together, no matter what. I think Halla does make the most sense in because of the comfort there. You're not moving up coil. I think you keep that third line together. That's something we talked about last week. So it for me the more conversation is where do you who do you put next to Bergeron and Marshan? Craig Smith. But I, I would oh, leave but that the third, third line, line together. Because yep, I think that third line has been really good since it coming has together. Been. So the options are Froden, <laughs> which would you know, you probably don't want to do that. Felino, because he's a veteran, but he hasn't been doing too much and jake debrusque because he's starting to heat up but then the question there is do you want to take him off the fourth line where he's actually contributing now it's funny he makes the most sense for the first line out of those he'd be playing off wing too right yes, yeah he would oh dear there is no good answer no, no. <laughs> no. maybe just but um, like if you're if you're like cornered into putting David Pasternak on a line with Patrice Bergeron and uh, Brad, yeah, Brad Marchand. <laughs> like that's not, yeah. Or if you move, well, no. There's, <laughs> I was gonna say you can move. That's the thing. I so here's this is this is something that's <laughs> it's already starting to annoy me, uh, or it will be annoying me. I'm preemptively annoyed. Sure, keep that coil line together as long as you want. Don't get stupid. <laughs> like, don't make decisions because you want to keep 
a Trent Frederick, Charlie Coyle, <laughs> Craig Smith line together. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it, it's great. It's the same idea. Cassidy Ride it as long as you can. He but plans to keep it together. He does? He, he said does it after it. the game. Sure. But, like, they're going to go cold at some point. Yeah, yes. right. Um, Maybe they won't. I mean, if they don't, <laughs> then you've got a great third line. They figure like, too. I mean, that's that's what happens with lines. I mean, I mean they cool off eventually. We've seen it with, just, the, with the top line. I guess this kind of speaks to the idea of like needing a second line center <laughs> because yes. there's no real. I know we're talking about winger, and now we're kind of, this is what I'm saying. We're all over the place when it comes to the makes line. you dizzy. Yeah, but like, but if they had a natural second line center to, you know, who could you know, it kind of just evens things out and makes it a little less messy. I think without. Really putting too much thought into it? I maybe not. It's, uh, yeah. I so I guess this is all just a way of like getting out of the first line right wing discussion. I or the Bergeron right wing discussion. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you could try anyone there. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the good thing. That was what I was gonna say. Is like if you want to put whoever you want up there and you kind of figure it out. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know if Felino ends up being that guy, but he's the veteran. That's why I think. Yeah, Cassidy loves his leadership too. He like raves about that man's leadership, just being vocal. And I mean, he was he was a captain. He's been in this league long enough to know how to be a leader. But what else is there to rave about? uh, uh, People would I think people would riot if Nick Foligno was on the first line. Fucked up tomorrow. Should Brad Brownshan like not be able to to go for whatever reason? That's true. Who's the odd man out then? Uh, Stadnik gone. Yeah, so like, there's nothing. Nobody comes out of the yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, at least the goaltending's good. Which uh, Mike's been right about all all season, all podcast season long. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you want me to take another victory lap, I will. <laughs> um, no, I, I that was my point though earlier is like they need to if if Swayman plays to his ceiling, like they're gonna be fine defensively. Yeah. And again, I mean. Look at the numbers that he's put up since making his debut. Ridiculous. So what are we doing here? Again, <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know. Yep. Or you just look at his numbers since he got called out last week. Yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I mean, we, I wrote about that last week because I'm like, this guy like feeds insane. off of, I guess, criticism, and he's never one to dwell on. He's like, all right, I'm gonna take it, and make myself better, and he does it every time. And he's only like 22, 23 years 23, old. Like to show that kind of poise and not let it get in your head. Again, it's a, he's a rookie, and, and he's bound to have bad starts, but I'm very much impressed with what I've seen, and I think he's a clear cut for Bruins' number one goalie, which is why I think Cassidy's been riding him a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, last week I said he's the guy, and I kind of felt a little bold because <laughs> it would only been like a two-game sample of him since Cassidy called him out, but I think the long-term sample of what we saw last year and this year has been enough to say he's the guy. You don't want to move him. You want to keep him. You want him to be your guy because in this league, goaltender, you, you know, that's truly most important. I mean, look at the Edmonton Oilers. You know, yeah. They haven't had one for how long? Look at the Flyers. They haven't had one for yeah. ever, and they're just, you know, at the bottom. Thankfully, the Bruins have had a top goalie for the past decade, decade and a half or so. Like, that's the beauty of it. So, Hopefully Swayman can, you know, ease those um ease those concerns with Rask of officially gone, you know, with his retirement. Um I think he's played great and you know, the Avalanche game he didn't need to yeah. they helped him a lot, which was good. He still made 
29 saves, I'm pretty sure. So he, he showed up, um, but he can show up when you need him. If they're going to ride, so I'm going to give them credit because there's got to be some sort of consideration of giving Olmark all the chances to take the net that he right. can get because he's making $5 million. Hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, we're in February's basically over. Like, this is... Yeah. The rubber is is about to become acquainted with the road, and like, if that's the case, he's just gonna win hockey games and and find a way to get into the playoffs, and they're they're well positioned to do that. So maybe, you know, ride Swayman until he shows any signs of cooling off, and then you go back to kind of a load management type of deal and hope that you banked enough points to to feel comfortable about your playoff standing. But, um, yeah, I like I said, I guess I give them credit for for riding the hot hand. I mean that's anything else I think is a disservice to the rest of the team. So uh, I'm looking at the standings right now. They're, they're nine points clear of Columbus for that second wild card. They're three points behind Washington for the first wild card with two games in hand. And they are, I mean, they're just not going to, well, they're six points behind Toronto. So they're probably, we're looking at the first or the second wild card. This thing's pretty much like I don't want to again. It's only at the same time. It's only <laughs> the end of February, but like I think it's pretty locked up. So yeah, get him feeling good, and then eventually get him rest, and then revisit the conversation a little bit farther down the road. So. It's gonna be a fun last couple months. Hopefully fun anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, deadline. Scott, let me ask you a question. Oh boy, do you want to trade for Zdeno Chara? No. <laughs> Why not? I don't think he's very good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. uh, so. <laughs> Uh, Pierre LeBron reported that teams have called on Chara, uh, and Chara, I think, has an, a he does not have any trade protection, and, and basically Lula Amarillo is gonna have to decide whether he wants to hold on to him, uh, and, and I think Chara is gonna have a lot of say in that decision. Yeah. I the fact that multiple teams are calling, reportedly. Tells you maybe I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes <laughs> to Chara. Like I clearly there's there's value there. Like I don't know. I he's still not afraid to fight. No, I'll drop the gloves. Yeah, and he's, he's big. He's eighteen minutes a night. I don't. I would consider it if I was the Bruins. And he he's probably would come cheap. Third line. Yeah. If, but let's think. If he, so like he left because in part because he thought he could do more than yeah. they thought he could do, and he thought he could do more than they were willing to right. let him do. It's been two years since that, and. I wonder if his perspective has changed a little bit and if his priorities have changed a little bit. So like where it gets awkward then too, is like, does he see Boston as a vehicle to which he can get another Stanley cup? And is that his top priority or are they good enough having enough of an outside chance to win a cup that he can come hang with his family in Boston too? So like, I don't know. It, it, it kind of fits like, if he's cost, if yeah. he's willing to to you know take that and and run with it and kind of take on a lesser uh lesser role amount of responsibility i mean there's the yeah. idea of like him coming back and not being the captain is kind of funny to, to think <laughs> yeah about that, too. that is weird but uh i mean there's a lot of forber talk like right healthy scratch I, do you like a chara clifton pairing on a, oh god don't of it, but <laughs> I, you know, Chara as your sixth or seventh defenseman is probably. Yeah, I'm. 
he he's, I haven't well, watched he's enough great Islanders this year. Kill. Yeah, so that's a that's thing. That's what he's good on. Yeah. So. But like when you get to the playoffs, yeah. it's, it's well. He was okay <laughs> last year for Washington in that yeah, series. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And you would think he's going to be 45 in, what, a couple days? Yeah. His, his end goal has to be another Stanley Cup. Like he, there's no way he'd be playing this long for fun. Right? <laughs> uh, I like, think he probably wanted to break that well, record. Yager did. Well, that's through the record, yeah. Yager keep, is— going to keep bringing he, him back he, up. He, he is did. Just he played a, for fun. Yeah. He was on, like, the Flames when they weren't very good. <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've railroaded us. I'm sorry. But, like— I I just don't know how good he is. I I'm not smart enough. Don't know what I'm watching enough to know how good he is. But right. again, as like if he's if he's like your seventh defenseman, is that a weird spot? I don't know. It's and if that's the better. case, then I don't mind it. Yeah, if he's a seventh and which seems so, you rest him some going yeah, into the right. playoffs. I know it's playoff. Chara is different. Well, and maybe they would need someone. I mean. I, I know why people would want him back. The nostalgia factor. You spent 14 years here as your captain. But, you know, 18 minutes a night, like Mike said, that's a lot for an aging guy. And, I mean, I'm not just sitting here watching Islanders games every night. <laughs> but if they're still toting him out there, there's probably a reason for it. If, I don't think they'd be putting him out there for almost 20 minutes a night if he wasn't being wow. sort of productive. Or are you going to completely shut that down right now? I mean, the possession stats don't look like good at oh, all. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he's old. He's but he's still like, <laughs> 56% of his zone starts defensive zone. Like, I, they're running him out there. I, I, Maybe they're just running him ragged. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a, I think it's a fun story. Again, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, yeah, this would be fun. So, like, let's, <laughs> I can kind of sign off on it. But the more I think about it, the if you're training like the minimum, then why not at least consider? Yeah, like right, cash right? consideration. Yeah, like that's the kind of thing I'm thinking. No offense to Chara, but like, what are the Islanders thinking they're going to get back for a 45 year old Zdeno Chara who's and a team that's out of playoff much. contention? Right. A team that's not has not been very good this year. Maybe that's why his stats are bad. Maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's just still getting like a a minute and a half of. Uh, Penalty kill time a game like now. You do a deep dive on that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I I think it's a little premature. We'll probably revisit this at some point because again they haven't traded them. I haven't really even. I don't think they are at that point where they've talked about it too much. Um, and maybe there are better opportunities for them. Who knows? But uh, I do not think that the Islanders are going to get back into this thing, which is a. I I thought that they were going to. Contend for a Stanley Cup. So what do I know? <laughs> Got that one wrong. You know about the goalies, that's yeah. for sure. Do we have any parting thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, next week's gonna be a bit of a chore. I'm gonna have to set my DVR. I can't do West Coast trips. Oh, me neither. Uh, Some people in this podcast don't have a choice. <laughs> well, some people in this podcast are also nice and young. <laughs> And can still stand to stay up yeah. till late at night. Ten o'clock. The Monday puck games drop. at ten thirty. Is that a national game against the Kings? No. Oh, okay. So that's national game. Puck drop's not going to be like eleven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like I said, I'll DVR and I'll uh, I'll get back to you guys next week. Excellent. Or I'll just parrot somebody else's takes. And I think they win four on this road. Bold. Jesus Christ. Bold. 
All I want right. bold. I wanted to go bold then the show. You uh, asked for closing thoughts. I'm you told me bold. no, and now you. Well, yeah, I thought them. about it for <laughs> a few seconds. Well, next week indeed will be a chore, but we will be here. But until then, I'm Lauren. That's Mike. That's Scott. And this has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. Bye. Bye.